Chapter Seven of Wolfbane by Frederick Pohl and C. M. Cornbluth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The way to Mount Everest, Tropile glumly found, lay through supervising the colony's nursery school. It wasn't what he had expected, but it had the advantages that while his charges were learning, he was learning too. One jump ahead of the three-year-olds, he found that the wolves, far from being predators on the sheep, existed with them in a far more complicated ecological relationship. There were wolves all through sheepdom. They leavened the dough of society. In barbarously simple prose, a primer said, the sons of the wolf are good at numbers and money. You and your friends play money games almost as soon as you can talk, and you can think in percentages and compound interest when you want to. Most people are not able to do this. True, thought Tropile subvocally, reading aloud to the tots. That was how it had been for him. Sheep are afraid of the sons of the wolf. Those of us who live among them are in constant danger of detection and death. Although ordinarily a wolf can take care of himself against any number of sheep. True, too. It is one of the most dangerous assignments a wolf can be given to live among the sheep. Yet it is essential. Without us they would die of stagnation of rot eventually of hunger it didn't have to be spelled out any further sheep can't mend their own fences the pros were horrifyingly bald and the children were horrifyingly he choked on the word but managed to form it in his mind competitive the verbal taboos lingered he found after he had broken through the barriers of behavior but it was distressing in a way at an age when future citizens would have been learning their little pitcher ways these children were learning to fight the perennial argument about who would get to be big bill zeckendorf when they played a strange game called zeckendorf and hilton sometimes ended in bloody noses and nobody nobody at all meditated on connectivity tropile was warned not to do it himself handel said grimly we don't understand it and we don't like what we don't understand we're suspicious animals tropile as the children grow older we give them just enough practice so they can go into one meditation and get the feel of it or pretend to at any rate if they have to pass as citizens they'll need that much but more than that we do not allow allow somehow the word grated somehow his subadrenals begin to pulse allow we have our suspicions and we know for a fact that sometimes people disappear when they meditate we don't want to disappear we think it is not a good thing to disappear don't meditate tropile you hear but later tropile had to argue the point he picked a time when hindle was free or as free as the man ever was the whole adult colony had been out on what they used as a parade ground it had once been a football field handel said they had done their regular twice a week infantry drill that being one of the prices one paid for living among the free progressive wolves instead of the dull and tepid sheep tropile was mightily winded but he cast himself on the ground near handel caught his breath and said handel about meditation what about it well perhaps you don't really grasp it tropile searched for words he knew what he wanted to say how could anything that felt as good as oneness be bad 
And wasn't translation, after all, so rare as hardly to matter? But he wasn't sure he could get through to Handel in those terms. He tried. When you meditate successfully, Handel, you're one with the universe. Do you know what I mean? There's no feeling like it. It's indescribable peace, beauty, harmony, repose. It's the world's cheapest narcotic, Handel snorted. Oh, now, really. And the world's cheapest religion. The stone-broke mutts can't afford gilded idols, so they use their own navels. That's all it is. They can't afford alcohol. They can't even afford the muscular exertion of deep breathing that would throw them into a state of hyperventilated oxygen drunkenness. Then what's left? Self-hypnosis. Nothing else. It's all they can do. So they learn it, they define it as pleasant and good, and they're all fixed up. Tropile sighed. The man was so stubborn. Then a thought occurred to him, and he pushed himself up on his elbows. Aren't you leaving something out? What is translation? Handel glowered at him. That's the part we don't understand. But surely self-hypnosis doesn't account for... Surely it doesn't, Handel mimics savagely. All right, we don't understand it, and we're afraid of it. Kindly do not tell me translation is the supreme act of unwilling, total disavowal of duality, unison with the Brahmin ground, or any such slop. You don't know what it is, and neither do we. He started to get up. All we know is people vanish, and we want no part of it, so we don't meditate, none of us, including you. It was foolishness, this close-order drill. Could you defeat an unreachable Himalayan pyramid with a squad's right flanking maneuver? And yet it wasn't all foolish. Close-order drill and 25,000-calorie-a-day diet began to put fat and flesh and muscle on Tropile's body, and something other than that on his mind. He had not lost the edge of his acquisitiveness, his drive, his whatever it was that made the difference between wolf and sheep. But he had gained something. Happiness? Well, if happiness is a sense of purpose and a hope that the purpose can be accomplished, then happiness. It was a feeling that had never existed in his life before. Always it had been a glandular compulsion to gain an advantage, and that was gone, or anyway almost gone, because it was permitted in the society which he now lived. Glenn Tropile sang as he putt-putted in his tractor, plowing the thawed Jersey fields. Squads right against the pyramids? Stiffly, Tropile stopped the tractor, slowed the diesel to a steady thrump, and got off. It was hot, being midsummer of the five-year calendar the pyramids had imposed. It was time for rest, and maybe something to eat. He sat in the shade of a tree, as farmers always had done, and opened his sandwich. He was only a mile or so from Princeton, but he might as well have been in limbo. There was no sign of any living human being but himself. The northering sheep didn't come near Princeton. It happened that way on purpose. He caught a glimpse of something moving, but when he stood up for a better look into the woods on the other side of the field, it was gone. Wolf? Real wolf, that is? It could have been a bear, for that matter. There was talk of wolves and bears around Princeton, and though Tropile knew that much of the talk was assiduously encouraged by men like Handel, 
he also knew that some of it was true as long as he was up he gathered straw from the litter of last year's head-high grass gathered sticks under the trees built a small fire and put water on to boil for coffee then he sat back and ate his sandwich thinking maybe it was a promotion going from the nursery school to labor in the fields or maybe it wasn't Handel had promised him a place in the expedition that would maybe discover something new and great and helpful about the pyramids and that might still come to pass because the expedition was far from ready to leave tropile munched his sandwiches thoughtfully now why was the expedition so far from ready to leave it was absolutely essential to get there in the warmest weather possible otherwise mount everest was unclimbable generations of alpinists had proven that that warmest weather was rapidly going by and why were Handel and the wolf colony so insistent on building tanks arming themselves with rifles organizing in companies and squads the h-bomb hadn't flustered the pyramid what lesser weapon could uneasily tropile put a few more sticks on the fire staring thoughtfully into the canteen cup of water it was satisfyingly hot water he noticed abstractly the water was very near ready to boil half across the world the pyramid in the himalayas felt or heard or tasted a difference possibly the hf pulses that had gone endlessly weep 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 were now going weep beep weep beep possibly the electromagnetic taste of the lower than red was now spiced with a tang of beyond violet whatever the sign was the pyramid recognized it a part of the crop it tended was ready to harvest the ripening bud had a name of course but names didn't matter to the pyramid the man named tropile didn't know he was ripening either all that tropile knew was that for the first time in nearly a year he had succeeded in catching each stage of the nine perfect states of water coming to a boil in its purest form it was like like well it was like nothing that anyone but a water watcher could understand he observed he appreciated he encompassed and absorbed the myriad subtle perfections of time of shifting transparency of sound of distribution of ebulliency of the faint faint odor of steam complete glenn tropile relaxed all his limbs and let his chin rest on his breastbone it was he thought with placid crystalline perception a rare and perfect opportunity for meditation he thought of connectivity overhead a shifting glassy flaw appeared in the thin still air there wasn't any thought of eyes in the erased palimpsest that was glenn tropile's mind there wasn't any thought of pyramids or of wolves the ploughed field before him didn't exist even the water merrily bubbling itself dry was gone from his perception he was beginning to meditate time passed or stood still for tropile there was no difference there was no time he found himself almost on the brink of understanding something snapped an intruding bluebottle drone maybe or a twitching muscle partly tropile came back to reality almost he glanced upward 
Almost, he saw the eye. It didn't matter. The thing that really mattered, the only thing in the world, was all within his mind, and he was ready, he knew, to find it. Once more, try harder. He let the mind-clearing, unanswerable question drift into his mind. If the sound of two hands together is a clapping, what is the sound of one hand? Gently he pawed at the question, the symbol of the futility of mind, and therefore the gateway to meditation. Unawareness of self was stealing deliciously over him. He was Glenn Tropile. He was more than that. He was the water boiling and the boiling water was he he was the gentle warmth of the fire which was which was yes itself an arc of the sky as each thing was each other thing water was fire and fire air tropile was the first simmering bubble and the full roll of well-aged water was self was more than self was the answer to the unanswerable question was becoming clearer and softer to him. And then, all at once, but not suddenly, for there was no time, it was not close, it was... The answer was his, was him. The arc of the sky was the answer, and the answer belonged to sky, to warmth, to all warmths that there are, and to all waters, and... And the answer was, Tropile vanished. The mild thunderclap that followed made the flames dance and the column of steam fray, and then the fire was steady again, and so was the rising steam. But Tropile was gone. The End of Wolfbane, Chapter 7